Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Sure is. Mackey and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com and the Score North app. It's Judd with Rami today. Mackey out, but he is calling in for Write That Down, a home run edition coming up at 5 o'clock. We're the only sports talk show that not only makes predictions, but holds each other accountable for those predictions and keeps track and keeps record and hands out a batting title at the end of each and every year, which Jonathan currently holds. Did you ever get the trophy? I know this is usually No, I told him to come out to my car. No, never. Yeah. Come out to my car. I wouldn't come. You realize, like, I got to do stuff after the show before I can leave. And the trophy well, is a baseball bat. If a guy... No, Rami offense, brings Judd. in his, his snow wiper every day. <laughs> how come you can't bring in the baseball I know, and we all agree how disconcerting that is. So write that down coming up at 5 o'clock. I wouldn't go to your car either if you're like, you uh, want your bat? Come get your bat. Just yeah. come out to my car and yeah. get your bat. It's like Goodfellas. <laughs> I got the bat. You want the bat? I got the bat. Come on. We're going to find no Jonathan thanks. in a pool of blood in the parking lot at about 6.30. Come after on, the Jonathan. Come on. The bat's right here. I've got one question if I'm following you out to your car. How closely are you parked to the cameras? <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, I'm in the back lot. In the back lot, they way, find way, you. They, no. You know where the lamp, where the light is out. He's way back there. They yeah. find I'll you be, a week from Friday. He's in the darkest corner of the back. I'll be lot. bringing one of the security guards with me. <laughs> all I know, gentlemen, is my write that down. They were all done. My home runs were done last night because I, I am prepared, prepared, prepared. I don't have any. I have nothing. I have guy. nothing. I'm not. I, I I believe in total honesty and transparency with my audience, and I'm here to disclose that I have no predictions written down for. You right just that don't down. like home run week, do you? I hate it. And then you whine through the entire <laughs> yep. segment, which is supposed to be fun. You're like the kids, like yeah, I don't want to do this. It's I like, hate it. Come on, little Rami, it's supposed to be fun. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind swinging for a home run when I see the when I like when my pitch presents itself. No, that's why it's called forced home runs. But I don't. I don't like for. I don't like forcing you the gotta, home run. You got to go. I don't up. like it. You got to go into this segment thinking like Adam Dunn, Dave Kingman, Reggie Jackson. You got to go thinking. Every home thought run. I have, I either go, well, that's just wait, that's that's too stupid even for a home run week. Or no, 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 no. no. If you have that thought, then you have a home run. Or I think, and this is more often than than the other. I go, that's not even a home run. What are you doing? Like my my brain just doesn't work that way. I don't know what it is. My brain just doesn't work. The way it needs to for home run week and All right. write that down. But we'll get to it at five. We'll figure it out. We're also gonna we'll get into you. plenty of football y football stuff with Matthew Collar from the not combine help him. coming up. No, no, you're not gonna help me. No. At four fifteen. Um but real quick, 
I know we've already started with plenty of nonsense here. Did Sage just say right there at the end of Purple Daily? I know they disconnected, and I can't ask him. That Rich Eisen has his suit that he runs to 40 in is made of stretchy fabric? Did he really just say that? Did Sage just scoop that? He might have, yeah. That Rich Eisen's suit is made of stretchy fabric. It's a great material. What's wrong with that? Nothing. That's great. I want one now. I, everything should be made of stretchy uh, fabric. My, my guess is that um, it's incredibly expensive. You would, you think? That's my guess. Because I discovered stretchy jeans probably about a year ago. And, oh my God, it's changed my life. They're great. I hate wearing a suit. If it was a stretchy, like, sweatpants sure. fabric, Judd, I, would, I, don't, I might show up to a suit and work. Never know. You never know. All right. Oh, so it's okay if you show up in a suit to work, but not me? I mean... Yeah, why would you show up in a suit? That would make no sense. Because it's There's comfy. A Christmas party, right? Yeah. But we wouldn't be. Yeah, that the night. Christmas party, but we wouldn't be applauding you for it. We'd be like, no. "Why are you wearing that?" <laughs> and nobody can see me, anyways. <laughs> yeah, no. But your coworkers would be like, "Why are you doing that?" It would Rami? be completely pointless. All right, mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer spoke at the uh, combine today, and again, we're going to talk with uh, Collar coming up in about five minutes at about four fifteen from Indy. But we can start the Vikings chatter without him. Zimmer was asked about the Vikings' needs heading into this offseason. Well, honestly, we're always trying to find better players at all the positions. And, uh, you know, um, every team has certain holes. But, you know, it's not necessarily in the draft. We can take care of those things through free agency. We can take care of them, um, you know, with trades or any, any other combination of things. You are such a child, dude. You are such a You're child. the one who started laughing first. I, I was laughing. And then you turned off your mic. I was laughing at just how, like how how much of a football coach answer that was. Yeah. That we're always trying to improve at every position. Jonathan heard positions, and then he heard holes, and he was gone. You didn't have to bring it up on air. <laughs> it wasn't that not that funny. Come on, we gotta. <laughs> he was lost. We've got to set the bar higher than that. <laughs> Much higher than that I, I for football speak to be funny. I, I agree. But that was the most Mike Zimmer answer or the most football coachy answer that a football coach can give. When you ask him sure. your needs for the offseason, they go, well, we're always trying to improve at every position. Are, are there more, though? Because Zim, compared to Spielman, I thought uh, yesterday cut open a vein on a couple of these. Um, he did talk about the uh, Everson Griffin okay. negotiations. He opted out of his contract last week, and it sounds like Zimmer and the Vikings are optimistic. We met with his agent yes yesterday, I think it was. So, um, you know, Everson's a, Everson's a terrific person for us. Um, I think our our situation is the right one for him, and uh, we expect him to be back. I think he wants to be back, and so you know, those kind of things usually work work its way out. So he's going to take a uh, discounted contract. So he must have opted out knowing that the Vikings weren't going to be willing to pay the contract that he was going to opt out from, but he wants to stay here so bad that he's going to take a shorter-term contract for cheaper? Is that what we're hearing? I mean... Because there's no way he's going to... He They were $11 million over the cap until he opted out. And I think now that they're still 32nd in a 32-team league at approximately one like two, $1.2 million under the cap. So you would have to figure if Everson's coming back, it's going to be completely on the Vikings' terms, right? You would think so. That's that's what makes sense, except that that doesn't really make all that much sense to me. Like, from a business standpoint, I thought when Everson Griffin signed the deal last year, that gave him the opt-out this year if he met certain clauses, mm-hmm. that it because he was coming off a down season, that it was sort of his way of 
setting himself up for a bigger payday. Like, by stay, by staying here, by staying in a system he's familiar with, a coach he's familiar with, teammates in a locker room that he's familiar with, after a tumultuous season, not just on the field but off the field, he, I thought he was looking at it and going, that's, that's probably my best chance at performing this year and outperforming these clauses and getting the payday I want, whether it's from the Vikings or it's from somebody else. For him to meet those clauses, exercise the opt-out, and then decide to come back at a cheaper price, for him, from a personal business standpoint, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, Judd. Does it, does, does it add up to you? It doesn't completely, but the only thing that I would say working in the Vikings' favor for him to return on a very team-friendly deal is his age. And the fact he was drafted in the fourth round by this team in 2010 and perhaps perhaps wants to stay that badly. But you would have to, one, I'm a little bit surprised because as much as people like him and as good as he's been for an extended period of time for the most part, you would think that this would be the exact type of guy who you'd be like, you know what, it's been fun, you've been really good, but you're older now, and we just flat out need the cap room. So, this is the guy the Patriots, this is the type of the guy the Patriots get rid of. Yes. A guy who you think is really well, good, still has a lot of talent this, left, and then they just let him go out of nowhere. This goes back to a guy like Barr, who yeah. again is, is a guy that the second he walks out the door, if Anthony Barr had walked out the door in Foxborough, he's gone. Forever. He's not coming back. And he can call them all he wants and say, please take me back. I hate the Jets. And the team would say, too bad. But this also now comes back to the question of, and it's a legit question, how much control over the roster construction and ultimately guys who are paid does Mike Zimmer have? And we deducted a year ago, I think, through pretty easy um, figuring out the pieces to the puzzle that he had a lot, right? So... Perhaps, again, we're going to look at, and and this also comes back to, are they going to allow Mike to sort of run things back? Because they have before, and I'm not a big fan of that at this point. I think that you probably need to make... All signs point to yes. The fact that that we're talking about an extension, the fact that... But you need to make some difficult decisions at some point in time, and year after year after year, they don't seem to make Mike do that. Well, no. And so the question becomes, at what point in time do you tell Mike simply no? We can't. Everson Griffin was a really nice player for a long time, who, by the way, was drafted by Spielman, not by Mike. But this is just, to me, if he comes back, it's another sign. And Collar has talked about this extensively, and I think he believes it's going to be the case that Mike Zimmer is going to ultimately get his way. And sometimes that's okay, but sometimes, like... In a situation like this, I don't get it. But all signs point to Mike Zimmer still has the power. Yeah. I mean, the fact he's bringing in Dom Capers to help him with his defense, the fact he, he, he he's talking about bringing back Everson yeah. Griffin, the fact he's picking Gary Kubiak as his offensive coordinator, all signs point to Mike Zimmer well, that still one I don't has mind, the though. control. I don't mind but that, that necessarily I don't mind. any of it. What I, what I don't like is continuing to hang on to aging players who, as Jonathan said, other teams would let walk because they're aging players. I have no problem. You know what? There is no salary cap on coaching staffs, right? So if Mike Zimmer wants to bring in Kubiak and Dom Capers and whomever else, I don't care. That's fine. But you have a GM for a purpose, and that's to draw the line and say, Mike, Everson Griffin was, I drafted him. Because if you're Rick, you say, I drafted him. But he's how old now? And he's still a nice player. But if you have to pay him and it's going to eat up the money that could go to, let's say, a free agent guard, does that make sense? 
Not a ton of sense, no. This is what he had to say about Trey Waynes, who enters the free agent market. Trey's a great kid. Um, works hard, been a very good tackler. He's got great speed. Um, I hope that none of the guys are as good uh, when we draft them as when they leave. Uh, you know, I hope they all get better with with uh, coaching and intelligence and things like that. So, uh, but but um, Trey's a great guy. We hope to get him back, and we'll see what happens. Can we can we play a game? Sure. From what Mike says, does he stay or does he go? <laughs> Everson Griffin stays. Yes. You want to bring Collar in to play the game with us? Yes, and play him the Trey Wayne's clip, which he heard, but I. But let's play that game. Matthew Collar of uh, Purple Daily, live from the Combine in Indy. Collar, you're jumping in just as we're about to start a game. Tell, Explain the, the, the basis of the game again, Judd. It, it's a game... Collar, based on from what Zim says, very simply, does he stay or does he go? And we're going to start with <laughs> we're going to start with Trey Waynes. Trey's a great kid. Um, works hard. Been a very good tackler. He's got great speed. Um, I hope that none of the guys are as good uh, when we draft them as when they leave. Uh, you know, I hope they all get better with with uh, coaching and intelligence and things like that. So, uh, but but um, Trey's a great guy. We hope to get him back, and we'll see what happens. I definitely i have i have a, i have a theory on whether or not Trey Wayne's is staying or going, and it's that he's going because he said when they leave. <laughs> he just said when they leave in reference to Trey Wayne's. I think he's gone, Jeff. Matthew. Well, you know, I think so too, because <laughs> because I I just think that they can't afford him or Anthony Harris. You know, I, I definitely maybe there's a quote you have in there at some point, but on the side session with just the Twin Cities reporters. He talked as if Anthony Harris was already gone, and they were talking about and thinking about how they would replace him. I mean, Zimmer was honest in saying that, you know, there's not a lot of teams that spend $25 million on their two corners, you know, sort of insinuating that uh, they would not be doing that either. So when it comes to Trey Waynes, you would think corner is a very, very important position. It's very important in Zim's defense. But if someone comes in and wants to pay Trey Wayans $14 million a year, I mean, you're just not going to do that if you're the Minnesota Vikings, especially when Zimmer also made it very clear that they, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that they have to um, improve on on the offensive line. So you know they they're not going to have very much money to spend if they want to bring Everson Griffin back. You know you're you're probably talking about no more money to spend. What? Hey, why is Griffin coming back? And what's your best guess uh, right now on the contract terms there? Because that statement that he expects him back did surprise me a little bit. It was a very strong statement. Yeah. I, mean, I know. I think all of us kind of looked at each other like, wow, did he just say that? Because he kind of just signed himself up for more Everson Griffin. Uh, you know, and it makes you think that they already had their meetings with the agents and they must have been on the same page. And so for him to be comfortable saying something publicly that strong that everyone probably talked about it in those meeting rooms, the agents, Spielman, Zimmer, and said it's best for Everson Griffin to come back and let's work out a deal. Now, your question is a good one. For how much money it would be worth, uh, I, I would say you're probably talking about something like a three-year deal where they can get out of it after two or a four-year deal, again, where they could get out of it after two, but the money is spread out and no one has any plans to take it for four years. That's kind of what they did with Limbaugh Joseph when they extended him. We all looked at that deal and said there's no chance that he gets to the end of that contract. But that's NFL contracts for you. 
is you try to spread out the money, a low salary this year. Uh, what they did with Anthony Barr last year really blew my mind. I mean, they signed him to this massive contract, and his cap hit was something like $5.6 million. I think they could do the same thing with Everson, count on some more money coming off the books next year, have his, uh, have his deal go up, and maybe even have something like a team option to pick up in the third year. That seems reasonable. Do I agree with it? Uh, I think I do. Uh, because when you look at edge rushers, this is not a very good edge rusher draft. There aren't a ton of edge rushers who ever hit the free agent market that you could just sign. Jadavion Clowney's probably going to get like $20 million a year. You do not want to spend that much, and Everson Griffin's not going to demand that much. If I were to guess, I'd say probably between 7 and $10 million. I don't think it's going to be crazy at all, and maybe a cap hit in the first year near five. Um, so if you're talking about a guy who could get eight sacks still and can continue to play at a pretty high level, someone who really cares about his body, and, and you're mixing him in with a Fadi Adenabo off the edge uh, across from Daniil Hunter, yeah, I, I actually do think that it's probably a good deal. If there were a bunch of massive, amazing edge-rushing prospects in this draft, I might change my mind, but it's pretty clear this team wants to win the division in 2020 and thinks they could still compete for a Super Bowl, so... Yeah, I think you do that with veteran players. And pass rushers, too, they can continue to play pretty well into their 30s. I, I was looking at this you know, a couple of weeks ago on our website where I looked at all the guys who had uh, played past 32 at the edge rusher position or defensive end position, and there were many, many players who continued to have success. So as long as Everson Griffin is in a good place from what happened a couple of years ago, which it seems like he is, it does make sense to keep him around. Matthew, I have a question about how – how it is that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman have such a good working relationship after hearing Mike Zimmer's thoughts on analytics today at the Combine? You know, analytics is a tool. Um, he likes to use it because it's a good buzzword for him. Um, you know, for me, tendencies about the other team and things like that, when we look at tendencies, we could say they're analytics, but um, I have a hard time someone telling me to go for it on fourth and five when you're up by two scores and they don't know the team that they're playing against and if you do go for it and you don't get it they don't get fired i do not to be clear there at the beginning he was talking about kevin stefanski who talked about how he'll employ or he, he jonathan you're saying he was talking about spielman i thought he was asked about stefanski and how how he'll use analytics in cleveland am i wrong about that collar so I, I'm not sure exactly what the question was. I couldn't hear it from where I was standing. Um, okay. But I, I would say this. Yeah, there is a, a different level of usage from analytics, for sure, from the front office to the coaching staff. And I think if you were to say that one side used analytics more than the other, which side would you want? You would definitely want the front office to be making player decisions by using all of that information, especially every team is meeting with pro football focus here, and there are ways that they can look to make very close comparisons to what players could be if they turn out or if they don't turn out and, and percentage chances that they turn out based on all the information, all that stuff. You want to nail it on the players because Mike Zimmer, in, in terms of his decision-making, uh, like fourth downs and things like that, is actually pretty darn good and is very aggressive by the old man standards. So, you know, I, I did an article on this a couple of years ago where I was giving Zimmer a hard time about fourth downs in training camp. So I looked at every fourth down that he had either gone for or not, and he consistently matched up with the analytics, even though he clearly doesn't realize that. <laughs> so um, it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing. I did follow up with him on the side about what he was talking about specifically, and he said there was one game in particular 
where they were trying to just pound out the clock and he got an email, you know, or something for, about, hey, why didn't you go for it or, or that type of thing. So I think that sort of stuck in his craw a little bit. Um, but in general, I think it probably, you know, it, it's what you would expect from Zimmer when it comes to the, the analytics sort of thing. And maybe they would push him if they had their choice to throw the ball at a little higher rate than they want to because Zimmer loves to run and stuff like that. But I also think from a coaching level, it probably doesn't have anywhere near the impact as it does from a front office level. So 10 wins and a playoff win against the Saints, Collar. What's your sense as you listen to Spielman this week and Mike as well about the pressure uh, right now in February of 2020 compared to a year ago when they had one year of Cousins, they didn't make the playoffs with huge expectations. Do you sense the pressure going into 2020 is going to be about the same, or has it been dialed back a bit because they did get to the playoffs and actually win a game as opposed to a year ago when they didn't even make the postseason? I think the playoff win took a lot of weight off a lot of people's shoulders, including Kirk Cousins, but also just in terms of the way everyone felt about Kirk Cousins, the conversation this year is much different from last year. Last year, Spielman and and Zimmer are having to answer for how do you actually get the most out of this quarterback and, and can he actually win anything? And look, he did not go to the Super Bowl. He didn't even get to the championship game. So I am by no means patting them on the head and saying, congratulations, your quarterback was worth the $84 million. But they were looking in terms of the expectations to be in the race at the end. Uh, and I'm sure they still believe that they could get to where they were in 2017 and beyond. I didn't believe that about last year's team, and I don't think you did either, Judd. And I'm not sure you can ever get there with this quarterback. But at least he showed them and at least he showed his teammates that he can win a playoff game with a big touchdown throw at the end and a game-winning drive and all those sorts of things. And so the vibe has been very different. And now, I mean, Mike Zimmer made it pretty clear to us. Now they think the next step, if there is one for Cousins, is just they realize you have to pass protect the heck out of this guy. And if you don't, he's not going to succeed. But if you can, then he's got a chance. The problem is how are you going to actually do that? And after talking to Zimmer today where he was – really strong in his statements about the offensive line and how much they very much need to improve pass protection. Uh, I think that tackle in this draft, which is very good for tackles, moves up to the top of the board along with safeties where I could see being the first-round pick. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're talking about a Riley Reef restructure and move to guard and we're talking about a rookie starting a left tackle for them next year. And Collar, that you lead me, you led me right into the question I was just about to ask you. And this was after reading your article at ScoreNorth.com today, and the totally free Score North app, by the way, and Courtney's art, uh, piece at ESPN.com. She was one of the beat writers who they asked the, the biggest need heading into the draft. She said cornerback, and explained why she said cornerback. Then I went over to your article, and you look at positions where guys tend to have impact or. I guess better said, tend not to have impact in their rookie year. And literally every position that's a hole for the Minnesota Vikings is the position where guys are least likely to have impact in their rookie year. Offensive line, 23.5% had a PFF grade of 65 or higher. Cornerback is second or third worst, I'm sorry, at 45.3%. And if they want to replace Everson Griffin and go get another impact edge rusher, that's only a 46% success rate in terms of having an impact in the rookie year. We know the salary cap situation. How do the Vikings plan on getting better in the draft when the prospects at those positions aren't great for getting better in the first year after a draft? 
Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that the article is free. It's totally free. Yes. I didn't hear you mention that. So um, I paid for it. it, uh, Because, you know, the cornerback position, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman on the same page when we asked them about that transition, um, talking about how difficult it is, you know, and it's, it can be difficult for almost everybody. And then you draft players sometimes based on traits where you have to really teach them over a couple of years to improve, but you love their high end potential and things like that. So there are many factors that go into it. And a lot of times teams are looking two years out when they draft, but the Vikings are not really in a position to do that. If they think they could be a Super Bowl contender this year, if they're a little more, I would say realistic about that, um, at least in my mind, they should look out to 2021 and they should draft that tackle and, and say, look, you know, if he has a rough rookie year, oh, well, he's going to be there blocking the blind side for the next 10 years. So that's the guy we need to get, and we need to be ready for that if we do sign Cousins for a long-term extension, that you could have a left tackle on a rookie deal, which is important, too, because those are very expensive um, if the guy turns out. But there is one position that they need that, tends to actually transition pretty quickly, and that's safety. And I asked Zimmer specifically about rookie safeties and and how fast they can jump into the mix. And, you know, he pointed out that alongside Harrison Smith, several people have now had a great deal of success. And you can't ignore that if you're the Vikings. There are two extremely good safety prospects who are both projected at the end of the first round. It's not one of those positions that gets drafted very high unless it's a superstar caliber player like Derwin James for the Los Angeles Chargers. So these two guys, Grant Delbert from LSU and Xavier McKinney from Alabama, great pedigree, great defenses they come from. If they were to draft one of those guys in the first and draft a tackle to develop in the second, I mean, that, that might be a win for them. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the tendencies uh, of these guys to fail at year one and then you know maybe make a jump in year two is pretty high, especially at the offensive line position. So if they're expecting to draft someone and then just solve all their problems in year one on the offensive line, well, it's pretty unlikely. So are, are you, to uh, circle back, caller, on what you said before, are you predicting that Riley Reef restructures and moves to guard for 2020 and, and that a left tackle is then brought in? Is that what you're saying? Well, I will quote Mike Zimmer and say it's possible. Zimmer was asked about that very scenario and said, it's possible I haven't talked to Riley, which doesn't sound like a no. Yeah, (laughs) it doesn't. Um, So, so I mean, they talked about that last year. And I actually think, now, usually when we talk about moving positions for guys, it's bad, 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 right? Like, oh, we're going to just move this guy from tackle to guard. It'll be fine. (laughs) It's usually not. It's usually terrible. But with with Riley Reese, though, He's kind of a mauler, and he's a he's powerful, you know. So if you were talking about having to go up against those great defensive tackles and, and nose tackles of the NFC North, and I think that Riley Reese might actually be able to handle that. And if you're talking about, you know, Mike Remmers didn't work at going from tackle to guard, Riley Reef is way more talented than Mike Remmers. I think he's just kind of shot, as in, like, he doesn't move very well now with his pass sets and things like that. So if he was in a guard position where he could kind of just go to war with guys and, and battle the stronger players in there, that might actually work. But you can't do it at his current salary. So they might have to go to Riley Reef and say, look, we're going to cut you and sign a guard. Or you could move inside and restructure your deal and create five more million for us to help us with other positions. I could see that scenario happening. Did you go out again last night, Collar? Um, not really, no, but I ate in the same restaurant last night as Doug Williams, the legendary oh, cool. quarterback. 
Was it that so, St. Elmo's place everybody talks about? Have you been there? Uh, it was not, but there is a uh, pro football-focused party tonight there, so I'm planning on wandering over there and seeing what I can come up with. I did have – I just had dinner with Sage and had, like, three more Diet Pepsis already, so mm, a lot wild, of caffeine man. in his body. Make sure you take yeah. that company credit card to St. Elmo's because that's not cheap. Uh, yes, company credit card is definitely something they give me. <laughs> if you do feel like spending shrimp... Have you, not seen the, his, have you not seen his timeline complaining about how difficult the expense reports are? If you... If, wait, wait, not done yet. If you... If you wait, wait, wait. If you do feel like spending, the shrimp cocktail is outstanding there. I have That's heard that. I hear, yeah. Uh, yeah, Unbelievable. the reports um, are not easy to fill out. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping that there's. I'm hoping there's food at this party that I can eat on somebody else's time. That's a very nice so thing. Reporter. Do you very think smart. they made the expense report so difficult just so you'd say it's? You know, it's not even worth. I'll just not spend money. <laughs> I don't need to eat unless it's free. I don't need to eat. I think they're that, just tra- that's their plan. That was their plan <laughs> to make it so hard. Exactly. That everyone would be like, "No, I'm just not going to eat." Thanks, Collar. Yeah, just have crackers instead. Thanks, See you, Collar. Bye. <laughs> See I haven't done the new uh, Wait, procedure so, on the expense reports. Hold on a second, though. That's interesting. So we we could go down the path. <laughs> For year two, the second consecutive year, we're going to have a conversation about would they move Riley Reef from left tackle to left guard so Elfline is kicked out, then he's gone, which would not be surprising, and they either draft or sign a left tackle. But if you're going to draft a left tackle that's going to step in from day one, it's going to have to be a first-round pick. You would think so, like yeah. You're, you're not going to get... Unless you swung... And honestly, the, even a first-round pick, that terrifies me. A rookie oh, on, on Kirk Cousins' blind side? Unless you swung Brian O'Neill from right tackle to left tackle, but I've always been told that the change from the left to right side of the line or vice versa is incredibly difficult. So it takes... Because your, your thought... Your brain... Firing has to change completely from doing things on one side. I, I did a story once on a guy that was moving. I think he was from the Eagles. His name was Artis Hicks, came to the Vikings. I think he had been the right guard in Philadelphia, and he was going to play left guard for the Vikings or vice versa. And I said, what's the change like? And he said, spend your entire day writing with your opposite hand. I was like, okay, that's not going to be easy then. Yeah, no, I would be a. Ma- I, would- I couldn't do that. So I, but that, but the interpretation, the the explanation was basically that's that's what your brain has to adjust to doing things the opposite way, which is very difficult. Yeah, no, you don't just do that. Like Collar was saying, more times than not, that's a disaster. People think you can just oh, this guy is a football player. You can just go from this side to that right. side. It really does not work that way. That's true. Catch Purple Daily live from the combine. You can go back and listen to uh, the last couple days of it. At scorenorth.com and that totally free score north at more Mackie and Judd with Rami right after this and write that down coming up at five o'clock home run edition on 1500 scorenorth.com and the score north app.